Welcome to Funding Quest. I'm your host, Byron Allen, and today I'm joined with Nathan William, founder and CEO of Show Platforms. Nathan is a successful entrepreneur who has created, grown, and sold several companies. He is constantly finding marketable niches and creating new ventures with amazing success. In this first of a two-part series, Nathan explains how he was able to find the funding for his entrepreneurial ventures. Nathan also shares with us what has helped him succeed, which was his ability to identify what he terms as tectonic shifts, a term that he will explain. So join us now in what I guarantee will be an insightful interview with Nathan William. Today, we're excited to have with us a very special guest, Nathan William. Nathan is a serial entrepreneur that has started uh, several businesses and successfully grown and sold them. And and I'm excited to learn some specifics about his current uh, company. And he's going to share even some insights with us as to how he went through his funding process with that, the different types of funding he used to uh, develop his company and grow his company, uh, as well as then him sharing his insights into uh, what he'll share with us, tectonic shifts happening in the business world and what those shifts are and how they're meaningful uh, to business owners and, and, and leave you with some actionable ways that you can take advantage of these, recognize them, what impact they might have, and what you can do to leverage them. Let me give you a, just a quick background on Nathan. So like I said, he's, he has uh, created and sold three digital ventures personally. Most recently was adoption.com, the number one adoption site. And uh, he was a uh, consultant for Desert Digital Media developed social strategies that grew social followers from less than 100,000 to 130 million or more followers. Became the most engaging social channel of any publisher in the world with 40 million monthly comments, likes, and shares. And I created websites that reached 280 million monthly units. Uh, also a consultant for Azul Airlines and grew their social following from 5,000 to 1.6 million in 12 months. Created a, a travel social network. Azul became the fastest growing airline ever in those early days. And his current uh, company and venture is Show Platforms, which I'm really excited about. And, uh, and, and so Nathan, go ahead and share with us a little bit about Show Platforms. Sure. So... Uh, years ago, Russell Brunson, uh, who I think is one of the best digital marketers of our generation, made a promise to a group of entrepreneurs. And he said, if you publish every day for a year, you'll be financially free. And uh, I know a guy that was there at that event named Steve Larson. Steve was so poor that he couldn't afford a hotel room. And he slept on the couch in the lobby of that hotel during the event. He was so poor, he couldn't afford a taxi to get from the airport to the hotel. And he rented a bike and put his suitcase over his shoulder. And Steve heard this promise from Russell and accepted the challenge, started a show. Within uh, 13 months of quitting his job, Steve made his first million dollars. And a few years after that, uh, I heard Russell on his podcast kind of doubling down on that challenge. 
his daily publishing challenge. And, and I accepted that challenge. And I started a show, published every day for a year. And after I got a few months into the show, I, I saw some really big problems. I realized I needed dozens of different technologies to run this show. I needed Calendly to schedule with my guests. And I needed Libsyn to schedule uh, the podcast. And I needed Hootsuite to, to schedule the social posts. And I needed you know, Riverside to record. And I needed Restream.io to, to do my live streams. And you know, dozens of different technologies to run this. And these technologies were costing me, they cost over $1,000 a month. And most of them didn't integrate together. And they took a bunch of effort to to uh, learn how to use them. M many of them didn't even have a lot of the features that I wanted because they weren't made for running a show. And it was really frustrating. And, and as I spoke with a bunch of other show hosts, uh, all of them were struggling with how do I make money and how do I grow my show? I saw a huge opportunity. And, and one day I was talking to somebody and I said, someone should just really create this all-in-one platform with 30 plus modules that could help entrepreneurs create, grow, and monetize their own show, make it easy, make it inexpensive and affordable. And that was my aha moment. And I hired a team more than two years ago, team of, a very talented team of developers. And we have been building the all-in-one platform for creating, growing, and monetizing an online show. We now have 24 team members and uh, we, we rolled out beta customers. Uh, started rolling that out several months ago. And with their feedback and uh, great feedback from other beta testers, we've been working to make it as good as we can. And we're scheduled for launch of show platform in March of 2023. Excellent. So now, didn't you, you've launched some portions of it, right? What, what have you already launched? Yeah, so we, we've already rolled out about 18 or 19 of the modules to our beta customers. And based on their feedback, we're working on improving those modules, adding functionality and improving the user experience. And we're working on rolling out additional mod modules that will be ready. But in addition to the software, we've also rolled out Show Agency. So you can go to showagency.com. It's a digital marketing and production agency that helps entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs who don't think maybe they have enough time to run a show or they want help from an expert team. Of, of writers and editors and marketers. And uh, they can hire us and they can record their episodes and then we can take care of, of essentially everything else for them. Gotcha. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about your journey of funding this new venture. You said it's been about two years? Uh, yes. For a year? So, so I, I didn't want to, to take equity investment at the beginning, because equity investment at the very beginning is very expensive. You have to give away a lot of the company and rightfully so, because it's, it's very risky, right? At the beginning, a lot of the businesses that are just in the idea stage go under, they never make it. And so I put in my own money. Uh, luckily I've been able to, to sell some other ventures and I, I had a little bit of other capital and I took out of a, a mortgage on my home. I did a second mortgage. And I, I borrowed some capital from, from an investor, took out a loan, a few hundred thousand dollars from him. And I, I know how to do consulting or digital marketing consulting. And so I, I went and signed up a, a group of consulting clients and I used the capital from that and put that into the software. 
And so from my own personal funds, from a home equity loan, from a loan from, from somebody who, who knew me and trusted me, he, he didn't give me a loan in my venture. He gave a loan to me for me to use in my venture, right? It was secured by me and his trust in me personally. And then obviously going and bootstrapping it and creating income another way. So those four different sources um, is how I, I got through the first 18 months or so of my venture. One other source of funding that is often overlooked is, is doing things a cheaper way. And a lot of times people do a startup and they think they need a fancy office and they think they need a really expensive team or, or they need expensive software. One of the ways that helped us get up and going is we did it a much less expensive way. We hired a team of developers in India. And if you do it right in India, you can get four or five great developers for the cost of one developer in the United States. So I know that's not funding per se, but if you can get five developers for the cost of one, you have to raise a lot less money to, to get the same amount of work or more work done. Uh, we didn't do offices. Everything was done remotely. We used inexpensive and open source softwares like Google Office instead of Microsoft Office. People use their own computers. We didn't do insurance because people working from home, right? We found a much less expensive way to bootstrap it from the beginning. After we had reached about 18 months of development and we reached the, the minimum viable product or the MVP version of our show and launched it to beta customers, uh, we did a capital raise and we went out looking for about $2 million of, of equity investment. And we were very blessed to bring in a incredibly talented group of, of very successful business leaders, such as yourself, who uh, not only we not only reached that $2 million of, of investment, but, but even oversubscribed. So equity is good. There, there's, a, there's a great place for equity investment, but sometimes it's best if that can happen after you've built something of value and uh, you've reduced the risk for the investors. So, they're, so it's a lot easier to go raise that capital. And so the funds that I was able to raise and put into it and borrow and, and raise from consulting work, um, those funds were able to be stretched a lot further because we, we kind of did it a different way. Very insightful. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. Well, you mentioned that um, part of the way that you generated the capital you needed to, to in those early stages of your company was doing consulting. And uh, we were the recipient of we were one of your consulting clients. And it was Thank great. So much. I can certainly uh, testify to the value that you provide your experience, uh, especially when it comes to online marketing and utilizing these more modern approaches uh, was just in incredibly insightful and valuable to us. Uh, the funding quest itself, we, you helped us launch this show, right? Gave us the, the confidence, the idea to do it, the, the confidence of how to do it and, and being able to just learn best practices from you um, went a long way into it. And one other thing I was gonna say is during your consulting with us, you, you really started with a real high level trying to understand what's our business who our target market is, what we're trying to accomplish, 
how we're doing it now and what ideas we could do differently. And you know, one of the things that I remember you mentioning early on was when we were talking about online marketing is at this time, and this was about, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so that we were starting our consulting. And I told you how we were a regional lender. We, we lent in, in uh, 12 Western states. And to the extent that we were going to be doing any marketing, we, how could we limit it to just that audience instead of a nationwide audience? And, and I remember you saying, you know, it's, it's a whole lot easier to, uh, to market nationwide, to go big than to stay small. And, you know, that plus, plus other ideas that you shared really helped gel uh, the, the development of our business plan to expand nationwide. And, and we did that almost a year ago. We uh, expanded our lending to nationwide and, and that resulted in 2022 being almost 300% of 2021. And 2021 was our best, our biggest year before that. And so... So we've Congratulations. Really, we've really grown quite a bit, and I attribute a good part of that to, to your vision and uh, coaching to us on, on growing our business. And, uh, and, and then this Funding Quest podcast is, is a, a unique way that we're, we're uh, hopefully providing valuable resources to our potential followers or to, to the you know, business owners, if, if they're borrowers of ours or not, right? They're just providing value and, and giving back. So, so it's kind of fun to, to, to have the opportunity to, to have you on our show here since you're one of the, the reasons we have it. So this is great. Thank you very much, Nathan. Thanks for having me on. Okay. So Nathan, I, during our consulting, you mentioned tectonic shifts uh, several times, and you you shared a lot of insight with me on what these tectonic shifts are, what what that even means, etc. So, and and I really want you to share this insight with our audience. So, would you mind talk about these tectonic shifts and and what what that is? Sure. So, over my career, I've been blessed to be part of of some really fun home runs. And, and there was a point in my career where I, I looked back and all of these home runs were doing something different. Like a lot of people, they, they figure one thing out and then they do it over and over again. But when I looked at my home runs, they were all different. And I, I tried to find what the common denominator was that made each of these home runs successful to make it easier for me to replicate. And I realized with, with the help of, of a very smart person that every single one of my home runs was from a tectonic shift. There was something that was fundamentally changing in the business landscape and I leveraged that. And that leveraging that tectonic shift uh, propelled the growth. So when I use the term tectonic shift, think about geology and think about these tectonic plates that move against each other. And, and where that movement happens, you have massive destruction like volcanic eruptions or, or earthquakes, but you also can have massive growth like mountain formation. And the same thing happens in business. Think about the tectonic shifts, you know, Byron, that you and I have been through, right? Think of, of the shift from Blockbuster to Netflix or the shift from yellow pages to to search engines. Think of the shift from printed newspapers to digital newspapers, or the shift from bricks and mortar retailers to, to online retailers. 
think of the shift from landline phone lines to uh, mobile phones or from taxis to Ubers, right? We, we've been through so many of these tectonic shifts. If someone's starting a business or if someone's wanting to grow their business and, and find a new strategy for growth, I think the best place to start is to say, what are the biggest tectonic shifts that are transforming my business landscape? And then how do I leverage those? And I think that's so important because the small business, they're always afraid to compete with the big business. They always feel that the big business has this huge advantage. They have so much, so many more resources. They have larger teams, larger offices, large, you know, more brand recognition. And, and they think they can't compete against the big business, but almost without fail, the big business cannot effectively leverage the tectonic shift. And if you look at every one of those examples that I gave you, they're examples of a small company that leveraged a tectonic shift and they leapfrogged the big company that they had, they had no business beating, but they only won because they leveraged the tectonic shift. So I think the most important thing that business leaders can do when they're trying to determine their strategy is to identify the biggest tectonic shifts today. Cool. And so uh, you mentioned some tectonic shifts over, over history, you know, over, over the, the 20, 30 years we've been doing business, right? Yeah. Uh, what about today? Where are those, what are those biggest tectonic shifts you see happening right now? So during the pandemic, I caught COVID during Christmas season. And as I was sitting up in our guest room during Christmas time, being the marketing nerd that I am, a lot of, a lot of marketing experts were writing articles about their predictions for the new year. And so I, I went through and I found about 50 different sources of marketing experts talking about trends for the new year. And I built a spreadsheet and I put the trends that they were recommending and, and, kept track of which ones were said how many times and predicted by how many experts. And, and uh, I found a series of tectonic shifts. And then my aha moment came when I realized that more than half of those tectonic shifts that they were recommending, that they were talking about those trends, they called them trends, not tectonic shifts. Most, more than half of the trends they were talking about were part of one megatrend. They were things like generating five-star reviews, things like working with influencer, things like getting referrals from your customers, right? All of those are part of one overarching strategy that I call credibility marketing. And the core problem that the businesses are trying to address is that 77% of our potential customers don't trust anything we say about ourselves. I don't know, maybe they trust the address we tell them, you know, or what our phone number is. But when we try to tell them marketing information, 77% of them don't trust us. The situation is even worse with advertising. 96% of people do not trust advertising. And so the old school business model, when I started business, right, the business model was you would, you would create a product, then you would buy a whole bunch of ads, and then you would tell the world how awesome your product or service was, right? That model does not work anymore. 96% of people don't trust what you say. And, and so what is working today, right? I bet 70% of people who find your business on the internet um, and talk to you guys, they before they sign up for your product or service, they go look at reviews on you guys, 
right? The reviews, the referrals, the testimony, video testimonials from, from clients, owning platforms, like having a show like you're doing, speaking at events, providing value. So many people are, are providing value before they try to sell anything now. Think about the businesses now, they get a lead from, from an email, you know, an email lead or a phone lead, and then they immediately go for the close and try to sell. And then they wonder why, you know, only 0.2% of their emails result in a sale. They're, they're going to, for the close before they've built any credibility. Anyways, this is, there's a framework here that we call the credibility marketing framework customer influencers and becoming an influencer and industry influencers and event influence and leveraging platforms, online reputation management, employee influencers, these kinds of things. We've developed a framework and, and then we went out and we found that 96% of people said that businesses who follow this credibility marketing framework, that they are likely to trust. So to go from 77% of people not trusting a business to 96% of people trusting a business with one simple framework. So that's what it's about. Credibility marketing framework. I'm working on a book called Credibility Marketing and uh, trying to teach people how to uh, market through much more credible sources. Excellent. So that's that's one of the tectonic shifts, right? But but yeah. probably the, the overarching over a lot of them. That's right. Shift. You want to know some of the other ones? Is that yeah, what you're asking? Yeah, of course. Okay. So the second biggest one that, that's out there, which is actually a subset of credibility marketing, but I think it's number two, and we call it platform ownership. I'll give you a story to give you an example of why, what the problem is here. So, so I have a friend, um, he was an intern at a company I, I worked at. He created a product called the Scrap Trap. It was a little kitchen device you put on your counter and you cut up your vegetables and, and your fruits, whatever. And when you had the scraps, you scraped them into the scrap trap and you could easily throw them away, right? Simple device. He was making about $110 million a year selling a scrap trap. Of that, 90, about $96 million of, of his sales was coming from Amazon. So over $96 million of annual recurring revenue from one source from Amazon. What do you think Amazon did when they realized the simple product was making $96 million a year with them? Uh, did they create their, their version of it themselves or what? That's exactly what they did. They, they went to, to a, a supplier and they commissioned the a similar product to be created. And then they put their product live on Amazon. And then what do you think they did? It's, uh, they promoted it as Amazon, a top seller for Amazon, something like that. Yep. Regardless how much he bid, theirs showed up at the top. Yep. And then all of a sudden his listing was removed. Oh, wow. And he lost a $96 million annual recurring revenue stream because he built his business on a platform somebody else owned. He built a skyscraper on land he did not own. And so the, the second biggest tectonic shift that we teach people about is how do you build your skyscraper on land you own? How do you build a platform you own? And that could be a website, that can be an email list, that can be a membership site, can be a show, right? There's, there's lots of different ways to do this, but 
you have to build a platform you own. And you can leverage the other third-party platforms. You can still use Facebook and Amazon and YouTube, but you build your following there and you're constantly pulling people back to your platforms where you control the relationship. You have the client contact information. You control the brand, the URL. You have permission to market to them. You, you own the content. You can move to a different technology provider if you want, but you own your destiny. Fascinating. Wow. That's number three. That's that's (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Number three. Okay. So the the third biggest tectonic shift is this concept of the the digital show. And and a lot of what's driving it is the the concept of multitasking. Like before, if you wanted to watch television, you had to sit down, you had to have time, be in front of TV, sit down and generally not do anything else, right? You had to be looking at the television. If you want to listen to a podcast, you can do it at the same time you're driving in the car, right? You can multitask while you're doing dishes, while you're, you know, exercising. It opens up a world of ability to consume entertainment or education that that was not possible before. And so, so this multitasking ability of the online show has resulted in a huge growth. So in 2021, there was $1.4 billion of, of uh, podcast ad revenue. And they're projecting that by next year, that revenue will have grown to more than $4 billion. 62% of the US population over 12 has listened to a podcast. And there's currently 162 million uh, projected podcast listeners in the United States this year. That's growing at a rate of over 20 million listeners per year. So a huge opportunity for people uh, to create online shows and, and people are flocking to online shows. So it creates opportunities for people like you to create new media channels uh, that didn't exist before. Excellent. Excellent. I appreciated sitting down with Nathan and discussing his own experiences with entrepreneurship. There were a few key ideas that I took away from this conversation, which I think can truly transform a business. Nathan discussed how he has been able to find different types of funding for his ventures at the different stages of his businesses and the sacrifices he made. As we learned, there are many different types of funding that can help support your business. Secondly, and perhaps most importantly, Nathan explained the idea of tectonic shifts in business. These shifts are major changes occurring in your market that can be used to leverage the growth of your business. Nathan gave fascinating examples of how some shifts have occurred in the past, which we can use as examples of what current or future tectonic shifts might look like. In the next episode, Nathan will dive even deeper into what he calls the Credibility Marketing Framework. 96% of surveyed customers said that they would trust a company that followed the credibility marketing framework. So join us next time to learn how you can apply this extremely powerful framework to your business. Thank you for joining us at Funding Quest, and we look forward to seeing you next time.